the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It looks like you can have a lot of leaves but have no life. You can be a big bush but have no berries. You can look fantastic on the outside but not be fruitful as a follower of Christ. You may need to be pruned. And this is what Jesus was saying. Pruning always repels our potential. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I remember the first time I saw Kimberly. We were in graduate school together and it was on the first day. I remember even more the first time I knew she was the one. I was standing with my friend Andrew right outside of that seminary apartment. She drove by in her little blue Honda CRX and I said, there goes my future wife. It wasn't long after that that we began to hang out and date and fall in love. We began to dream about our future together. We knew that we wanted to be married. So we did the necessary things. We went to premarital counseling. We were two seminary students, two pastor's kids, most importantly, two Christ followers. How hard could this be? Easy peasy. So we said the vows. We went on our honeymoon (laughs) And then the fun began. There began to be trouble on Fantasy Island. The truth is, it didn't take us long to learn that union doesn't guarantee communion. A marriage is built on union. It's built on this coming together, the love that you have for one another. But it takes intimate and intentional work to experience communion. As I reflected on that this week, I thought about this passage of scripture we're going to study today. I believe that marriage is the perfect illustration for what Jesus was trying to teach us. In fact, if there's a key word for for this passage of scripture, for our time together, it would be the word connectivity. Uh, For the Christ follower, connectivity determines health and holiness. And Jesus wants you to be connected to him. We've been looking at the I am statements of Jesus. These are radical, contrasting, divisive statements. Jesus was drawing the line. He would say, I am the bread of life. In other words, I'm your source. I want to be your satisfaction. I am your salvation. I am the light of the world. He he wanted us to understand it was he who formed us. It was he who could fill us. It was he who would make the darkness flee from us. Jesus would then say, I am the door. I'm the one that's going to give you access to God. I'm the one that can guarantee entrance into the fulfilling life. 
and I am the good shepherd. I'm the one who knows you. I, I know your nature. I know your name. I know every need. And then he would say, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And Jesus is the promise that we need. He's our path to eternity. And he promises and gives us a pathway to a peace that surpasses all understanding. And then in John 15, Jesus would say, I am the true vine. That's kind of cryptic. What does that mean? I am the vine. Let's dig in. Look with me in John 15, beginning in verse 1. The words of Jesus. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. We're just into this passage, and you see the essential elements of this passage. You have the vine, that's Jesus. The vine dresser, that's the father. You have the branch, that's us. And you have his desired outcome for our life, fruit. Everything you need to know. Look at how it continues. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Hear that phrase again. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But Jesus continues. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Another phrase we need to examine, ask whatever you wish. Could it be that we have a God who gives us a pathway to understanding the secret of life that tells us so clearly what we're here for, that if we do these things, if we abide in him, he will give us our wishes. And by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father's loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. That my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And then hear this next verse. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 
I believe this passage outlines the very reason for which you and I are here. So let's do this. Let's pause and pray and ask God to use this time to clarify our purpose in this place. Let's pray together. So God, this is your word, perfect and true. We've read it. Now we want to apply it. We want to learn from it and grow. So teach us what we do not know. Give us what we do not have. Make us what we've not yet become so that we might be more like you and live for your glory. Lord, we want to abide in you. We want to remain in you. And we want our life to produce fruit that lasts. So I pray that you would accomplish that as a result of our time together. And even in these moments, that my words would be your words, that my thoughts would be your thoughts, and that as a result, you would be pleased and your kingdom would be built, and that people watching this, wherever they are, would have the presence of you, and that their lives would result in change because you have been with them. And God, I thank you for this, and I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. In this last message that Jesus is giving to his disciples, an intimate message, he gives them, and and thus us through them, the one reason for which they are left on the planet, the one reason for which they exist. They exist to bear fruit. Your life is either good for bearing or for burning. It's either good for fuel or, or it's good for fruit. You're either wasting or spending your life for your own purposes and your own pleasure or you're investing your life to be fruitful for the glory of God. Now this would be a more easily understood passage if we had been living when Jesus spoke these words because all in the children of Israel would understand this idea of being the true vine. A couple reasons for that. One, Uh, They knew that the children of Israel had been referred to by God as the vine. In fact, in Isaiah 5 and verse 7, it says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. Israel had been God's chosen people, his covenant people. Uh, But now that Jesus is present, he's reminding them a relationship of God is no longer found through a nation, but through a person. That's true today. I'm thankful that I live in what has been God-blessed America. But I'm not American first. I'm a Christian first. My most important mark on my life is my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And all of that changed as Jesus entered into the picture on the planet. As Chuck Swindoll put it, Israel was to flourish as a living example of how obedience bears fruit and righteousness. Moreover, the Lord promised to bless Israel as the nation's relationship with God grew stronger. But Israel failed. And by declaring himself as the true vine, Jesus took the place of Israel, claiming to be the authentic, healthy vineyard that the nation had failed to become. So Jesus was saying, in a a world of falsehood, I'm the truth. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. 
I want you to think about that because that has been a consistent theme in these I am statements of Jesus. He's always drawn the line. He's always distinguished himself. Remember, that's what's about to get him in trouble. That's why he will be taken to the cross because he has claimed to be different, to be God. And every time we read one of these I am statements of Jesus, it should cause us to think about those gods with a little G in our life. Those things that we touch, see, and feel that we've allowed to gain priority above our creator. We're now walking through a worldwide crisis, and I believe that our true God is exposing the false gods. Because so many of those things that we touch, see, and feel, they're fading away. They're, They're being lost. We're losing them. It's only our true God, the true vine, that gives us something that we cannot lose. Everyone in Israel would have understood this language of the true vine, but also they would have understood the language of the vineyard. I've been to Israel a number of times, and there are some things that just define what Israel is all about. For example, the olive tree. All over Israel, you'll find olive trees, and man, that is some good olive oil. Water is significant. That's why throughout the Bible you see the significance of water. And then the vineyards that would produce the best wine. It's not insignificant that Jesus would perform his first miracle at a wedding where he would turn water into wine. So everyone listening understood this idea of the vineyard and and the grape, the fruit that would make the wine Hey, one more thing before I jump into this. It's also clear that Jesus was speaking to those who had followed him. Why? Uh, Because he says in verse three, you're already clean. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. It's, It's the same word for clean that he used to describe the robes that believers wear in Revelation chapter 19. I love this passage. Listen to this. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and and like the sound of mighty pearls of thunders crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. That's that word, clean. For the fine linen are the righteous deeds of the saints. So so quick question, are are you already clean? Are, Are you a part of those robed in the pure linen? Have you been saved? I have a friend, Ray, he, he often calls it saved and born again. Have you stepped across the faith line? Whatever you call it. Have you begun the faith journey? Colossians chapter one says you were once alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, but he has now reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I want to make sure you understand a simple truth today. The Bible says that you and I were born separated from God because of our sin. That sin's not just something you did, it's who you are. And that sin, if left undealt with, will cause you not only to spend eternity forever separated from God in a place the Bible calls hell, it will also keep you from experiencing God's best here on this side of heaven. God wants his best for you. 
That's why the Bible teaches that Christ did die for us. He died so that we might experience forgiveness, so that we might walk with him, so that we might receive life, so that we might not have to have forever punishment, but experience eternal life and abundant living here on this side of heaven. But for you and me, there has to be a point in time where we're cleansed, where we allow that cleansing touch of Jesus to change our life. And so that takes us back to our story. In this passage, Jesus is referring to those who have experienced that cleansing and those who have not. In fact, Jesus really gives us four types of people. And everybody you know can be summed up in these four groups of people. Let me just describe them and and then we'll talk about them. He said there are those who have no fruit. Then there are some that, that have fruit. Others still have more fruit. But his desire is much fruit. That shouldn't surprise you. Remember, Jesus said the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. That word abundantly means overflowing. God's desire is that your life be bearing much fruit. Is it? Where are you? Which category are you in? According to Jesus, if you're not connected to God at all, your life will have no fruit. Maybe that's some of you watching today. Others of you, you, you've begun a relationship with God. You, you were connected, but man, there's not much in your life. Maybe you haven't killed someone. You haven't committed adultery. Some of the big ten are off your radar. But there's not much fruit. Others of you are doing pretty good. You read your Bible occasionally. You pop in and out of church. Maybe you give at some times. Maybe the people in your neighborhood They at least know that you go to church. But some of you, man, you're living in abundance. Your life is overflowing. You're bearing much fruit. The Bible says that we all have the potential for inner fruit and outer fruit. Those inner fruit are are things like the fruit of the Spirit, those attitudes that overflow in our life that people see in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self control. And then we have outer fruit. When we begin to do things that point people to Jesus and let others in our little corner of the world see that we love him. What was Jesus saying? I think he was saying that God is concerned with your connectivity. He wants you to be connected to him. That's why he keeps using this word abide. That's what it means to be connected to or to remain with, to stay together. Remember how I began talking about my marriage with Kimberly? Boy, it didn't take long. Even in those first couple of years, we realized we needed a little help and we sought that help out. There's nothing wrong with seeking out help. And we begin to develop some tools, some practices in our marriage that would help us stay better connected. Guess what? A few years later, we recognized we needed that help again. We sought out more help and we developed more tools. Now we're 26 years in. Guess what? We still have to work at being intentional and intimate and staying connected. 
And the same thing is true in your spiritual life. So Jesus would say, you know, if you're bearing no fruit, you're not connected because apart from me, you, you can do nothing. Maybe today you would just examine where you are and decide even if you've, if you've got a relationship with God. I mean, I, I interpret the words of Jesus to say, no fruit. Probably means no God. And, and Jesus would say, when there's no fruit, that branch is no good, so it's just cut off and it's, it's thrown in the fire. Where are you? No fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. We should all want much fruit. That's what Jesus was saying in verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. He's saying if, if you remain connected to me, the sky's the limit. Do, we, do you believe that? <laughs> That's hard for me to wrap my mind around. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask, what, ask whatever you want. Was Jesus telling the truth? Was, was that just to the disciples? Does it apply to us? I believe it does. Jesus in verse five would say, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I, I'm wanting you to think about your connectivity today. I'm wanting you to understand that it's not that the Christian life is hard or difficult. It's that the Christian life is impossible if you're not connected to Christ. Some of you are wondering why you don't seem to have any spiritual vibrancy, vitality, energy, effect. And maybe you need to ask if you've, if you've remained connected to Christ. Wherever you are, whatever you've been through, I want you to know this. God wants you to be connected to him. That's why Jesus would tell us, by the way, you did not choose me. I chose you to bear fruit. God loves you. He could never love you more than he already loves you today. He'll never love you less, and he wants you to be connected to him. And if you're not connected to him, if you find yourself over here in this category where there's no fruit, maybe today you need to pause. You need to apply that truth of the gospel that I mentioned just a few moments ago where first you admit that you need him because of that sin in your life. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sin, and you connect with him. That's ABC. Admit, believe, connect. Well, if you're connected with him but you're not bearing much fruit, I want you to be more intentional, more intimate today. I want you to take those steps just like Kimberly and I have tried to take in our marriage. You may even need some pruning. You know what that is? Look at verse two. It says, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. <laughs> have you have you ever been pruned? Have you ever gone through the pain of God's discipline where he's cut something back from your life so that something better may appear? I, I like the way someone commented on this verse. They, they said, this shows us that God likes tomorrow's fruit better than he likes today's leaves. So he clips away. 
what needs to be clipped away or what needs to be pruned in your life. It looks like you can have a lot of leaves but have no life. You can be a big bush but have no berries. You can look fantastic on the outside but not be fruitful as a follower of Christ. You may need to be pruned. And this is what Jesus was saying. Pruning always propels our potential. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. On Faith Talk, AM 570 and 910.